Don't you wish you could pick out the people that are lying to you? I know I, I certainly would. I've got a couple books in my home library about how you can never be lied to again if you spot all these tricks and this and that. And I think the jury is pretty much in on this that a lot of that stuff is just not that reliable. There apparently are some savants out there, some people who are uncannily able to tell when a lie is being told. Sadly, I'm not one of those people. But uh, there may be some help from technology, although frankly I doubt it. But according to New Scientist magazine, uh, some scientists out there are taking transcriptions from courtroom videos and then trained a computer to try and predict if someone's telling a lie. They basically used an algorithm trained on descriptions of defendants' faces during real trials. And supposedly, they were able to correctly identify truth-tellers about 75% of the time. We humans seem to manage to do that about 60% of the time. The magazine quotes Radha Mihalsea at the University of Michigan, saying we're actually pretty bad lie detectors. Because I don't know about this. Uh, apparently, Mihalsea and her colleagues took 121 videos from sources such as the Innocence Project, a nonprofit group in Texas that's dedicated to exonerating people with wrongful convictions. They note this is superior to any simulated conversation because the speakers are more invested in what they are saying. Evidently, transcriptions of the videos that included the speakers' gestures and expressions were fed into a machine learning algorithm along with the trial's outcome. To hone it further, the team plans to feed in even more data. It is hoped that such a system could one day spot liars in real time. Frankly, I'm skeptical. Uh, a lot of people that uh, are just so artful at lying are sometimes sociopaths slash psychopaths. They're not troubled by the fact that they're deceiving you. They don't exhibit any stress. They pass lie detector tests. I mean, I don't know. But uh, if you're looking for an ability to tell better lies, <laughs> and who isn't, we have this also from New Scientist magazine. Apparently, Iris Blondon Gitlin of Cal State University in Fullerton and her colleagues asked students recently to, to complete a questionnaire on controversial issues. They were then interviewed by a panel, but instructed to lie about their opinions on two issues. Now, before these interviews began, half the students drank 700 milliliters of water, and the others drank 50 cc's. And wouldn't you know it, the interviewers detected lies less frequently among those with a full bladder. These findings build on earlier work which suggests that different activities requiring self-control share common mechanisms in the brain, and engaging in one type of control can enhance the other. So I guess if you overcooked your CV, you might want to drink a large coffee before going into that job interview. And by the way, if you do this, please drop us a line at info at radioparallax.com and let us know how that turned out. And speaking of line, let's return briefly to that story we mentioned in passing uh, last week about how a Fox News commentator turned out to be a phony. Yes, I know. You're shocked. Hard to believe that an august body like Fox News would have a charlatan on board the staff, eh? Well, the details are pretty funny. Apparently this guy, Wayne Simmons, uh, went on public speaking engagements and was a, made frequent appearances on Fox. He was a purported former CIA operative, and he spoke authoritatively about terrorism and clandestine intelligence operations, which he claimed that he helped run for nearly three decades. At one speaking event, Simmons said, nobody knew who I was, nobody was allowed to know who I was. Well, apparently the problem came in when even the CIA didn't know who he was. 
According to federal prosecutors, Simmons had not worked for the CIA for 27 years, and it was only by repeating falsehoods that he was able to briefly get actual security clearances and real government contracting work in more recent years. Writing in the Washington Post, Matt Zapatosky said that although Simmons was far from a household name, he seemed to carry a certain celebrity and mystique, at least online and on cable news. He boasted on his website that he was recruited from the Navy to be a part of the CIA's outside paramilitary special operations group, and that he led deep cover intel ops against some of the world's most dangerous drug cartels and armed smugglers from Central and South America. A Navy spokesman, however, said the Navy could find no record that Wayne Shelby Simmons had ever served in that branch of the military. A CIA spokesman declined to comment other than to say that the agency was working with the Justice Department. Meanwhile, a spokesman for Fox News said Simmons was not paid for his appearances. That spokesman did not respond to a question asking how Simmons' expertise had been verified. Anyway, I guess if you need a cushy job after graduating college, you might want to see if you can't become one of those fact-checkers over there at Fox News. Here's a story about liars we can't figure out. According to Sam Stanton writing in the Sacramento Bee on November 11th, Well, let me quote from it. Five defendants convicted in a multi-million dollar mortgage fraud scheme last May walked into a federal courtroom in Sacramento on Tuesday morning expecting to be sentenced and packed off to years in prison. With their families in tow, they gathered in the 14th floor courtroom of the U.S. District Judge John A. Mendez, facing anywhere from three to 20 years in prison for their part in a scam the prosecutors say allowed them to obtain more than $5 million in home loans during the height of the housing boom. Instead, as their attorneys stood in shock, the judge declared that none would go to prison and sentenced them to probation and months of wearing electronic ankle monitors as they returned to their daily lives. Okay, what's wrong with this picture? If you got any insight into this case, and we're pretty sure some of you must, drop us a line at info at radioparallax.com. We'd like to hear from you. And also, from the what's wrong with this picture file, we have this item. It has to do with water in California. I mean, if there was ever a source of, a perennial source of lies in this state, it would have to be our water issues. But uh, Julie wrote the Sacramento to be to say, after returning from a trip to Southern California last week, I was furious that I did not see one dead lawn or dead tree. Everything was a beautiful green. I know that they have received some rain this year, but not enough to transform what I witnessed. Northern California has been pulling its weight all along. So many of our neighborhood landscapes look like the owners have moved away. How much money will it cost to one day reestablish the loss of trees? So please, tell me, when will Southern Californians get with the program and start pulling its weight? Well, actually, Julie, we can answer that. Never. They're not in the water conserving business down there. They're in the water using business down there. But I do have to add that, frankly, if you're dumb enough to let your trees die, thanks to the boneheaded advice from our governor and others during this summer drought, then you deserve to have to spend the money to replace them. Speaking of trees, we have this astounding opinion piece by Foon Ree writing in The Bee, which is titled, Betting Big on Almond Boom proceeds to go on and on and on about how wonderful it is that Blue Diamond and other Almond growers are just doing splendidly because almonds are just commanding such high prices. He talks about a 58,000 square foot building that'll be able to handle 62 million pounds of almonds at a time. And he breathlessly reports that all those almonds are grown in an ever-growing number of orchards between Bakersfield and Reading. 
noting that, well, despite the historic drought, dozens of orchards have been planted, nearly doubling almond acreage in the last 20 years. Hello. It takes 1.1 gallons of water to produce one almond. And we're going nuts in this state, planting almond trees from Reading to Bakersfield. During the drought. And what is our government's reaction? Well, just don't order a glass of water when you go out to dinner. The question you have to ask is how many of these almond trees are going into corporate farms? We will wager most of them. When it comes to really bad ideas, we think it's probably tough to uh, top something that a man named Henry Carpenter proposed and was remarked upon in New Scientist magazine. They label it among truly horrible ideas to save the planet. Carpenter said that, quote, to offset the effects of global warming, we should lower comets such as 67P to the surface of the Earth. Like titanic ice cubes, the celestial bounty could be used to restore cold ocean currents or top up reservoirs. Noted the magazine, yeah, there's just that small matter of coaxing them down to Earth. Yes, it appears Mr. Carpenter just has too much time on his hands. And as somebody who apparently has way, way, way too much time on his hands is someone named Roy E. Plotnick. We don't know exactly the background of Mr. Plotnick. He's apparently an instructor of uh, paleontology somewhere or other. Evidently, he and colleagues got together to ponder the question, which they put together in a paper titled, Jurassic Pork, What Could a Jewish Time Traveler Eat? This was prompted by a student's query over whether brachiopods, so abundant in the fossil records, were kosher. Well, in their paper, the authors compared the morphology of extinct fauna with definitions of clean and unclean animals from Jewish texts to deduce what, if anything, the observant chrononaut could eat. Turns out that, unfortunately for those visiting the Cretaceous, Bronto burgers are off the menu. Dinosaurs lack the necessary cloven hooves to be considered among other large kosher herbivores. And even if viewed as distant relatives of birds, most lack the requisite extra toe. Ocean-dwelling plesiosaurs are likewise off-limits, as Leviticus forbids the consumption of, quote, the great lizard, unquote. But uh, Plotkin and co. observed that the Jewish time traveler need not starve because primitive but possibly kosher duck and goose relatives are known from fossils. Uh, there are also fish, including bowfins, gars, sawfish, paddlefish, and sturgeon. And there were plenty of grasshoppers and crickets, which are noted to be kosher in the Old Testament. As for the student's original inquiry, brachiopods, not kosher. They are a type of shellfish. Now, we're not sure about this, but we, we kind of think this does establish the fact that the Flintstones were, in fact, not Jewish. That about does it for today's program. Our thanks go to Bob Edwards and Will Durst. And it's not every radio program that gets to say that. This show, like all of them, was produced by Edward McMillan. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I am your faithful servant and host, Douglas Everett. We'll see you next week at the same time. Meet the Flintstones, they're the modern Scottish family.